The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Now, for the first part of the show today, I'm doing a re-record of an interview with Sylvia Barry, and she's interviewing Dietrich, or Diet as he likes to be known, Stroh, and it's about his very special and, I think, very important book, Three Months, A Caregiving Journey from Heartbreak to Healing. So often here on Navigating the Cancer Maze, we speak about possibilities of cancer recovery, how we can work towards that outcome. But let's face it, that is what everyone wants to hear, um, that hope is alive and, of course, that everyone's cancer has a possibility of cure. However, for many patients, especially those that are diagnosed at a very late stage, like Deet's wife, Margaret, circumstances and unexpected challenges that cancer brings can actually mean that someone is moving towards the end of their life. So for every patient and family, because we never really know, it's really important that we address this topic. What if things don't go to plan? So Dietrich's life really came apart when his wife was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer and the diagnosis took him on the roller coaster of his life. He was a successful businessman and overnight he became a caregiver and as he said he had to face internal weaknesses and external obstacles in order to take care of Margaret and then he had to lovingly let her go and the whole process was Uh, as per the title of the book, a three-month process. So it's a lot of um, adaptation to a new life for this couple. So he's going to talk today about his life and his book, Three Months of Caregiving Journey from Heartbreak to Healing. And we have uh, recorded this show with the very gracious permission of sounding board and uh, we had a few technical difficulties with recording Deet in an interview for Navigating the Cancer Maze today and so uh, we've taken this opportunity to reproduce this interview and I'll be coming back after a couple of the breaks and we'll be looking at the book in a little more detail uh, with you but in the meantime uh, I'd like to introduce um, this very very uh, I think very special interview with Sylvia Barry and Dietrich Stroh. 
Hello, welcome to the sounding board, a weekly program produced and directed by the members of Soroptimus International of Novato. I'm Sylvia Berry, and I will be your host today. Soroptimus International of Novato is an association of business and professional women whose primary mission is to improve the lives of women and girls, both locally and globally. Today, I'm very happy to have Dee back, Dee Strohback. Today, he's going to go uh, talk about his book, Three Months, A Caregiving Journey from Heartbreak to Hearing. This is a book based on this intimate experience of taking care of his terminally ill wife, Margaret, during the last three months of his life. Quoting Dr. Kim Allison, the director of breast pathology, University of Washington Medical Center. This is both a love story and a guidebook. Anyone going through an experience with terminal illness would benefit from reading this. So Dee, welcome back. Thank again. you for having me. It's always a joy being here. Thanks. Uh, before we start, I was wondering if you can give us a little bit of your background. Well, I'm, I'm a graduate civil engineer from the University of Nevada. I uh, registered in the state of California. I have I, uh, my first 20 years. I was uh, general manager of Marin Municipal Water District for seven of that 20 years. And after that, uh, we opened up an engineering firm here in Novato, John Stuber and myself, and that got, into, got larger and larger and still exists. And I go to work every three or four days. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he forgot to say that. He's the 1992 citizen of uh, Novato, citizen of the year. Wow. Yep. Thank you. So, sure. Well, that's, <laughs> Thank you that's, a very, yeah, that's a very wonderful thing <laughs> that you do. Anyway, uh, the reason why I asked you to come here to talk about this book is because I was very intrigued by the book when I read the press release. You know, personally, I know uh, a few men uh, who took care of their wife during their uh, illness. Uh, son lost their wife, and uh, one of our friends is still taking care of his wife, and hopefully, uh, you know, she uh, she has brain cancer, and we're praying that she's getting better every day, so we're very happy about that. So, uh, and also statistically, uh, you know, women live longer than men. We have very few men that take care of their wives uh, and, and, and uh, be a, ta a caretaker. So uh, when I read about that, uh, I always wanted to... Uh, invite you to come and talk to us about your experience and, uh, you know, how you go from that uh, personal experience and uh, help the others. So uh, tell us about how you decided to write this book, if you will. Well, actually, uh, after Margaret died, I uh, spent a number of evenings, or in fact, quite a long time, uh, writing notes about what went on during the three months that, uh, from the time she was diagnosed to the time she died of pancreatic cancer and it, it was really a therapy for me to do that uh, I did a lot of crying and doing that I was all, of course all by myself and writing these notes and about two thirds or three quarters of the way through doing all that which was about five months six months later um, I, I thought you know maybe maybe this could be put into a book mm -hmm. and uh, maybe it helped people to get through the same experience that I had just done and of course it occurs all the time we know that well, you just said that um, so I uh, talked to a good friend of mine uh, and he had just lost his father to, to cancer a year before and um, uh, Bill Mahar and 
he's a writer, and so we collaborated on it. Uh, he took all my notes and did a lot of more interviews with me and so forth and so on. And we created this book that's uh, it's not a very large book. It takes three, four, four uh, five hours to read, but um, it, it not only talks about what I went through with Margaret, but uh, at the same time it talks about caregiving. Mm -hmm. It talks about all the things you're going to think about, go through, what you need to know, or think you begin to know, and you don't know. We're not prepared for this thing. We're never prepared for this type of stuff. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a big surprise. Oh, yeah. very big surprise. Uh -huh. And so you're working your way through it as, as, as time goes on. And with Margaret, unfortunately, uh, there was complications to it all. She, the cancer had spread to her, her large bowel. She couldn't eliminate and uh, they had to do surgery to do a bypass uh, so she could eliminate and uh, that went okay uh, then she got staph infection because she was in the hospital mm -hmm. so we had one one uh, three months we had one good month mm -hmm. one good month that we, we were together at home uh, watching television watching movies looking at flowers doing all that good stuff Okay. So going back there, you know, we talk about this as a surprise for most of us, but for you, my understanding is a shock because uh, when did it happen? How do you ever even notice anything? There was, there was, there was, no, there was no symptoms of pancreatic uh -huh. cancer um, until the, in the fourth stage, which in a cancer is the fourth stage. It's literally metastasized. It's, uh, it's terminal. Um, so when did you first notice, like, oh, she... Well, it was, it was <laughs> we, we had gone, we always go down every year to, to Texas uh, with her mother for Thanksgiving, and the rest of the family comes down, so it's a big family get-together. Mm -hmm. So as we were coming home and on the airplane, she said to me very simply, she said, you know, I'm full. I feel awful full. I don't, I don't understand that. I said, I was kidding her. I said, we ate too much. And, uh, no, she didn't eat too much. She, she didn't, actually. So, um... I said, you guys go see your doctor, and she did. She got an appointment, which, like everything else, takes a while to get those things set up. So mm -hmm. it was a week or two weeks later, she got to see her doctor. The doctor says, we better do some tests. And it turned out that finally they did a CAT scan. And um, that's when all the tumors were throughout her whole abdominal cavity, which was stage four. Um, so... Uh, then the one when she, as she was said she was full was due to the fact that she had a lot of liquid in her abdominal cavity. So from when she said that she was full, uncomfortable to stage four that you discovered that's about a month. That was about it. Right around that, that Thanksgiving it. to Christmas. That's right. And it was the twenty second of December when we found out. And the simple thing she said to me, she says, Well, Merry Christmas and then she said very simply, I guess I'm glad I'm the first one to go. But you were both new. I'm sorry. Yeah. We both knew that she was going to die. I mean, it, it's it, been, it, yeah. it's, it was there. And um, we cried, we hugged, we did all the stuff that you normally do. And she stayed overnight in the hospital that night. And um, finally, day two days later, they drained her at Domo County. And mm -hmm. she didn't feel full anymore. <laughs> so uh, during that time, I mean, you didn't think she only has three months? No. I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. And we finally got an appointment with the oncologist, wonderful doctor, wonderful doctor. And um, he um, he says, well, with chemo, you're going to probably have nine months to a year with chemo. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, that's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, then he said simply, uh, asked her about, are you breathing okay? Are you sleeping okay? Are you eliminating okay? She said no. He says, well, I've got some good, we've got some good laxatives in work. Mm-hmm. And none of that, of course, worked because she was, we didn't realize that she was blocked up, her, her bottle was blocked up. And so she had to go through the surgery. Yeah. So what? Uh, yeah, that, that's, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, it would be hard for me to imagine uh, your feelings when, when you, <laughs> I, I won't even try to, uh, when you hear about that. Um, so, so during the, in one of the book, one of the chapters in your book, as you're talking about waiting, waiting for the news, waiting for the doctor to tell you, waiting for the appointments. That's right. a, right. that's a, it's a, it's an interesting process because you, you're anxious, you're worried about what's going, what you're going to hear, and so forth and so on. I think I read more hospital posters, mm-hmm. and hospital employment programs, and then OSHA programs, just to keep your mind active in, in, in that process. Oh, it's not distract you from. Oh yeah, that yeah. stress. Uh, so my 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 suggestion to anybody is obviously bring a book, uh, bring your computer. Uh, find some method of, 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 of inter- not entertaining but taking care of what's going on in your head mm-hmm. because uh, time goes by very slowly while you're sitting in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So fun, uh, you know, fun just being out there, uh, traveling with your wife on vacation, uh, going back home to celebrate uh, birthday in Juana and you, you were in this you know, this uh, finding your wife stage four terminal. So how do you do the research medical-wise? How do you find the doctors and how do you really approach, how do we take care of, uh, yeah, Margaret? That, that's, a good, that, you know, that's a good question because you're, you're in, a, in my case, an unknown field. I didn't, mm-hmm. had no idea what, what I was headed for and no idea what, what it was going to take to take care of her. Um, and uh, in the first place, as far as the doctor is concerned, generally you get a, someone says, why don't you see so-and-so and so on. And that's what happened as far as that was concerned. And then we went home. I remember, remember driving home and I said, well, at least you've got nine months, on. you got nine months, you got a year. And uh, she says, well, don't bet on it. But uh, uh, so it, you take one step at a time, one day at a time, and you start to learn processes. You learn how to do stuff that uh, you never thought you'd ever have to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you decided, um, you know, you talked to the doctor, the doctor suggests chemotherapy. Right. And right. you went through that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, started the, we started the chemo, and uh, but the biggest problem was this, this, uh, they started it. Actually, we didn't start it because of the fact that you couldn't eliminate. They had to do the surgery mm-hmm. to, so that the, she at least bodily functions could work. And uh, that, took a, uh, that took two or three weeks or whatever it was uh, to get through all that. And uh, then ran her home. Then she started the chemo. And of course, uh, you know, there's a lot of nausea with that, and a lot of other stuff that goes on. And, and she was a very fastidious woman, and she hated that. That's one of the things she hated. So we had nausea medicine, and it was always a question how much to give her, how much not to give her, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We made it. We're about to take a break on navigating the cancer maze. Don't go away. Do uh, come back and listen to the rest of this very interesting interview with Sylvia Barry and Dietrich Stroh.
Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegaller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Hey, how do you deal with your doctors and nurses during this period? And uh, the relationship that you found? Well, I mean, one of the things we found, or I found, and I, that's what I suggest to anybody that is involved in something like this, or anything, that they, they, uh, they ask questions. That's mm-hmm. nurses, doctors, whatever it is, but make notes. And if there's something you've forgotten to ask, get back to the person to find out the answer to it. Because invariably, you're kind of waiting for the good news. Yeah. And there isn't any bad news. Yeah. Yeah. And yet at the same time, whatever they're giving you, it's, it's a feeling, okay, we can handle this part, we can do this, we can do that, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, if you don't take notes, you forget what you what, what you talked about mm-hmm. because your mind is floating all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so take notes, like this, uh, and then when you get home, you can look at that stuff and say, "Oh, okay, I got to do this, I got to do that, whatever it takes." Mm-hmm. So. so, how do you discuss your options with Margaret or her options with her? Yeah, it was almost like I took control. Uh-huh. Um, and she knew and she let that happen. That was not normal for Margaret to do that. Margaret was a very independent woman, not a very independent man. Uh, we had her, she had her life, I had my life, and we had a life together. Yeah, she was and, very uh, successful. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was very, uh, whatever she did, she was good at. Mm-hmm. But she actually allowed me to, okay, go ahead, do it, whatever it takes. And mm-hmm. as long as she was comfortable and she was 
somewhat happy, if you can call it that. Um, and she spent a lot of time with us socially, but she never said much. But she was there mm -hmm. to work. Mm -hmm. How do you let your family know huh? about your friends? Well, see, I'm a very outgoing person when it comes to whatever's going on. Uh -huh. So I have no problem. In fact, first thing I did was call everybody when we found out. They have the whole family, all the way up down the line. That it was terminal, that it was maybe nine months to a year or so forth and so on. And every, everyone, everybody in the family just kind of rallied around it all. They came together. And my three daughters, uh, or at least two of them, live here in Nevada. And I, along that line, I also had my stepdaughter who was with me when a lot of this, when this was all going on. So we had parts of the family there to be able to be, and they were, whatever we need to do, whatever they need to do to help, they were there, mm -hmm. whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It was good. But I was straightforward, boom, boom, boom. Not easy to do. Not easy to do, because what I found in this whole process, you get unbelievable different reactions sure. from different people. Some start crying, some fall apart, some don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to talk to me about it. Reject that. Reject, that. reject, reject. Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't want to believe that. No. no. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, we were going to do the chemo, and you didn't do the chemo. Why? Well, after she got, well, she had the surgery, then she did the chemo, and then she came down with a staph infection. Mm -hmm. And that was another 10 days in the hospital. Uh, at the end of that, the, the decision uh, was made. I remember sitting there with her and her uh, son and daughter were, were in the room. And I had the doctor there, and he explained everything. And he said, well, we can start chemo again if you want. And uh, I looked at her, and I says, what do you want to do? And she says, you tell me what I think I need to do because I believe you. And I said, she believes so you. Let's go home. She believes you. Do the best for yeah, her. Yeah, right on. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's go home. She said, that's, that's what I want to do. And so, well, and that was the best month of the three months. That was really the best month. I know it sounds stupid, but it, it was. Because uh, she was able to uh, watch movies with us. I have a whole movie, movie library, uh, <clears throat> television, uh, talk. She didn't talk much. I wheeled her on a wheelchair and looked at her flowers. She got sat in the sun, enjoying the sun. Just those little, teeny, good stuff. Little good things. Do you remember here and there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And even now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Right. Well, yeah. So, well, you probably didn't know what you're getting yourself into. No. Right? Not at all. So you, how do you prepare that? Or you don't. can you? There's no, you know, you know, it's difficult for a person with engineering background not to have a solution. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Uh -huh. Uh -huh. We, all, we learn how to fix things. We learn how to make things happen. We make feel. And you're, it's impossible in this particular circumstance to be able to understand how you can't do it and you can't. So all you can do is pick up each day at a time as to what goes on and make sure it's the best. That's all. That's, all you can That's do. what you're doing. Yeah. So uh, how do you uh, really, um, who do you lean on? When, you know, you can't talk to Margaret if you have, you know, if it's too much on you, right? Because you take care of her and you know she's going to die. And uh, who do you talk to? How do you tell other people when that's in the same situation? How, how do you 
Well, I, I, I'm one of those people in this world that, 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 that my, my emotions are on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, I talk to everybody, uh, whoever it is. I tell them my partner, the, the office, uh, my children, um, who's ever there. We talk about stuff straightforward, what went on, what is going on, what's happening. Uh, a lot of hugging, a lot of crying. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I repeat a lot of the humorous things that happen. Mm -hmm. For me, humor is the leveler. Humor is the, is if you can grab hold of some of that and, and, and it makes, it, 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 it can live with it. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, I communicate with everything. Someone say, well, how's Margaret? I've been there. But I unload and unfortunately sometimes I cry because of it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, should, yeah. yeah. But um, we hug and what have you, and I've had people come in my office who haven't talked to me for a year, literally, for any reason, but they come in and say, well, one woman, one of my engineers came in, and <laughs> she was cute, she says, Dee, would you stand up? That's what she said to me. Mm -hmm. She said, okay, she says, come on, she gives me a big hug. Mm -hmm. Never said a word, walk up. That's it. Yeah. See? Sometimes you can't, that's nothing to say, really. Yeah. 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 And I know that her daughter, Donna. Was, uh, yeah, Donna is uh, very involved. Was oh, yeah, she was there and she helped a lot. Uh, uh, we took chores and uh, uh, did things differently. We each had something to do with her. She was the one that actually fed her, and she was living on um, <laughs> ice cream. Mm -hmm. Chocolate ice cream. Uh, chocolate ice cream. Uh, strawberries. Uh, different fruits. So she kind of fed her that. She always brought her breakfast for her. She didn't eat much, but mm -hmm. that was, that was it. Mm -hmm. So you decided to bring her home, I understand. Yeah. Right, and how do you make her comfortable? Well, um, she had times, she had bedtimes, she had wheelchair times, and she didn't walk much at that point in time. Uh, if she did, it was very, very short distances. So we spent, we moved around, did stuff, various things, and she had a routine as far as taking her medicines for nausea, taking her medicines for pain. She was on methadone the whole time. Uh, and all those things fell into places, and so you knew when things, certain things happened. In fact, what happened when she died, it was her noontime medicine time. And I wasn't there, but Donna uh, was sitting with her on the bed, the edge of the bed, and uh, with her kind of her arm around her, and she was giving her medicines. She took the medicines, didn't say anything, just took them, took them down, and then, boom, she was gone, just like that. Mm -hmm. just, just drifted away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there was a routine that was set up, established, and, 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 uh, and we would talk to her and treat her just like she was a normal person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in a whole, there's a whole chapter talking about laughter. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well Thank you, huh? a, lot, a lot of funny stuff went on. It's, uh, I think my favorite story when it comes to humor, three days before she died, uh, she was laying in the bed and they had her stripped down and they were giving her a sponge bath, a donut, and, and, and the lady that came in every so often to help. And I, I walked in the bedroom and stood at the edge of the end of the bed and, and, and Margaret, propped up her head and looked at me and she said, what are you doing in here, you dirty old man? And I said, being a dirty old man. And, <laughs> uh, you know, the laughter around that, that type of stuff. But it's, um, 
she had a great sense of humor, and we had a relationship with that humor bounced back and forth between us. Uh, Which brings up Nothing spirit. degrading, nothing, you know, disturbing about it. Man, it's all respectful. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, little stuff like that went on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you have any regret doing this? <laughs> things that you wish you had done, or differently? Well, uh, not really, other than if she hadn't gone through these surgeries, she hadn't gone through all that other stuff, the, the staph infections, I would have brought her home and uh, stayed her home, not gone through chemo or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's devastating. It helps people if they're in stage one, stage two, stage three, but when you get to stage four, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to cure. All it does is prolong mm -hmm. the inevitable. And um, so what? So you're talking about quality versus... Quality, exactly. Yeah. Quality. And uh, so you have a person around for another two months, but they're sick the whole time. What good is that? Mm -hmm. So if there's any regrets, I would, you know, that's what I tell, I tell audiences, I tell people that, you know, come home. Mm -hmm. And Margaret, and you have to send outlook on yeah, that. No question. Mm -hmm. No question. So one of the, probably one of the... Uh, I guess advice for people is that you have a, you know, you have a directive for your... Oh, yeah, well, we yeah. did. We we had a trust, uh, we had trust as far as all our money and all the rest of the stuff that went on. And we had wills and we had a directive as far as pulling the plug or not pulling the plug, that type of thing. And in her mm -hmm. case, there wasn't any plugs to pull. She just, you know, she just disappeared, so to speak, um, in the process. But um, she... Uh, the directive was we, we, we had established all this we were set up everything already even on our graves where we're going to be buried and all the rest so yeah and you took care of all that we'll be back in a moment on navigating the cancer maze don't go away Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You 
are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Um, you know, I, I think from what I'm uh, getting here is a really difficult subject. So what's your message, most important message to the others? <laughs> Keep hugging. Keep hugging. Keep All hugging. right. Uh, for a man to say that, and uh, a lot of men don't like to hug, uh, mm-hmm. but I happen to be one of those huggers in this world. And interesting enough, when I first got into or met uh, the family, the Margaret's family, they weren't huggers. They don't mm-hmm. hug each other. They, they say shake the hand and all that stuff. So <laughs> I start hugging. Well, by the time I, by the time I'll, now, it's like, oh, everybody hugs. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, keep hugging, keep crying, keep laughing, keep talking. Uh, it's not easy. Obviously, it's not easy. But damn it, you can make it happen. And you can get through it if you reach out. Mm-hmm. You wrote a book, and I noticed you continue to go out. You have a blog, a patch, and some, mm-hmm. and uh, on your website, uh, you continue to help other people yeah. um, how to go through this. What's interesting is uh, some of the book signings I've been in. Uh, people come up to me and, and, and say, "Geez, my I go, my brother or my wife or my father or somebody, somebody's got Alzheimer's. I got I'm taking care of us. Alzheimer's. My husband got Alzheimer's." And they called me back after reading the book, and I said, man, this really helped. Mm-hmm. It really totally yeah. helped me to understand that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest issue that happens when you're in this type of thing. You think, oh, no, I'm the only one that's been through this. Nobody understands you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But a lot of people out there, if you reach out, they're there for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you were doing one of the... Uh, you know, one of the reaching out and helping just by doing this every day. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, you know, I uh, don't know if we have time or not. So uh, one one thing that uh, Margaret had a, had a diary. She said, Beloved D, so very lucky to have him while I pass through the next several months. A question mark. Don't know how long you yet but it can't be much. He's so loving and compassionate. We cry and be and he holds me. Those big arms around me. Those big arms are comfort personified. Ha can arms but arms be personified? Who cares? <laughs> so that's your wife, that's Margaret. My wife. That was my wife. Mm-hmm. That was our relationship. That was uh, very close. Mm-hmm. Um we did a lot of stuff. We traveled all over the world. Uh, I mean, there were ups and downs and all that stuff. But you know, when all said and done, there was uh, you could sit back and say, "Hey, it was cool. It was a great 23 years." Which, uh, which allows you to have a new life. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I'll never be married again. And and then what's neat about that and neat about the, my new wife is that 
she was looking at a, a interview of me on this whole subject, and I asked her, "Do you want? Do you want to? Uh, do you want? You don't want to watch it? Is, are you okay watching this?" A lot more about you. Mm-hmm. So it works. Well, thank you, Dee. Thank you. We do appreciate that you come and uh, share this with us, and uh, the book to help everybody out. Um, and unfortunately, we run out of time. I can sit here and talk to you forever. But uh, <laughs> I want to thank you, the viewer, for coming and uh, tuning in and watching us this week. And hopefully, you come back again. I want to thank Novato uh, Public Access TV, Rick Tucker, and Leanne Johnson for helping us. And of course, I want to thank my members, Soraptiman International Novato, for doing this every week. Thanks. Perfect. I'm sure you found this interview today, Sylvia Barry talking with Dietrich Stroh, to be very useful. I think he has some very interesting perspectives, having been through the experience of the death of his wife, Margaret, from diagnosis, in fact, to the time she passed, being three months. And of course, that is why the book is so titled. So thank you very much for sounding boards, permission. Um, and the Seroptimist International of Novato's permission for rebroadcasting this interview today. I think it's a subject that we don't talk about enough. Um, as I said in the introduction, there's so many people who want to strive, of course, to live. And uh, sometimes there's bigger things, there's bigger decisions here at play, things that we don't know about. And... Uh, it's the very experience, in fact, of being human. So I think someone like Dietrich Stroh has actually really put a face to this very, very difficult subject. And uh, also I think the way that he talks about it in the interview that I um, did with him, which is a pity we haven't been able to put that to air, but in fact Sylvia Barry asked many of uh, similar questions or the same questions that, that I also did. But it comes through very clear He he has a very pragmatic and a very easeful way of looking at this very difficult subject. Now, the interview that you've seen is also available on video on YouTube, and I'll be giving you the link to that in my blog, grayschoolandmedia.com. Now, I think um, having this as an audio and a video is actually very useful because cancer patients and their families are often not wanting to face this very difficult subject. And I know many years ago when uh, I was first running support groups and uh, we had all these very pro-life things in our support group agenda for our 12-week program, uh, when it came to discussions on death and dying and uh, caregiving around that, uh, it was our poorest attendance. So often instead of 30 people turning up, we might have six or seven. Um, and I think that's still today very indicative of people who are on the cancer journey, both patients and families. And in speaking with um, Dietrich yesterday, we talked about this and we talked about how you can actually keep hope alive, that right up until the last breath, he said that Margaret took, um, they never let go of hope that something might happen to turn this around. And I call that possibility thinking rather than positive thinking. So you're just working each day and you're doing whatever it is that you do towards helping someone in that very intensive caregiving environment. 
um, and it's open-ended. I do find that uh, when people are very driven for survival, uh, sometimes this very important area, well, what if I'm not successful? And uh, what if I am actually facing my death? What am I going to do? And when this is not attended to, it actually leaves behind a lot of very deep, uh, unanswered questions. A lot of, uh, I'd call them voids and silences uh, that are experienced by the family, uh, friends, and sometimes even some of the health professionals who've been helping someone. So what comes through from um, DEET is communication. And uh, again and again, I think the better we communicate, whether it's on these pro-life issues, on life itself, on, on feelings, emotions, um, communication is a very important part of the journey of cancer and the journey to recovery, as well as that journey where one doesn't make it through and um, actually dies from the, uh, the, the cancer. So there were a couple of things that I wanted to mention to you. Because we don't have Deet here um, with us today, I thought I'd just relate some of the things from his writings, from his blog. He had three very good tips here. And uh, so, if you like, I'll be his voice uh, for you today. He's given three tips on the blog to enrich caregiving experience and uh, to start fresh. And he says, point one, snapshots. Get those family albums you've clung on to for years and years. Taking a trip down memory lane can be fun and healthy for all concerned. Remember your children and help loved ones remember their grandchildren when they were just babies. Finding a better balance in your life this way can help you to recognise that life is recurring and better times will come again. Secondly, he says, grip the pain. As hard and unappealing as this sounds, it's the best remedy for a broken heart. Allowing yourself to feel the pain of your loss will help with your pain. Talk about it with your friends, family or write about it, he says. Recognising that everyone feels this pain at some point can be a release. It's important to keep in mind, too, that everyone is entitled to his or her feelings. So hold on to them until you're ready to let go. And thirdly, he says, don't obsess with past perfections. Time is great at skewing our memories. We're all guilty of building up a time when in our life to a point where all we do is live in it and we do not live in the present. Life isn't measured by these imperfections, so relish the time you have here and now. We're going to take a break on navigating the cancer maze, and I will be back uh, with a few more of Deet's little words of wisdom, and uh, as well telling you where and how you can obtain this very useful book. A great gift, by the way, for any family who is going through this very, very challenging time of potentially having the loss of a loved one. We'll be back soon. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. 
the Gray Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at grayscholar.com or visit their website at grayscholarinstitute.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.holvung-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Scholar from the Grace Scholar Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the Cancer Maze. The Gray Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.grayscholarinstitute.com or email institute at grayscholar.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at grayscholar.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. And today we've been talking about the very special book, Three Months, A Caregiving Journey from Heartbreak to Healing. Now, this situation um, that Dietrich Stroh and his wife, Margaret, found themselves in is not all that unusual um, we find that today many cancers, ovarian cancer and perhaps pancreatic cancer are two of what we call the silent cancers where you can have them for quite a long time without really realising that you're very ill. And uh, so a lot of people get diagnosed quite late and that's where I think this book particularly becomes very useful as, as a guide, as a handbook. And uh, I think it would really help someone navigate that particular maze very well, which is why I chose to uh, promote the book on the show today. And as you know, on Navigating the Cancer Maze with the Grace Schooler Institute, uh, our policy is to really bring as much educational and helpful material to the global cancer community. And hopefully we're achieving that goal for you. Now, um, the book is available. It's called Three Months, A Caregiving Journey 
From Heartbreak to Healing. It's available in paperback. It's also available as an ebook. Now, if you go online to www.com, Three, the word three months, M O N T H S, book, three months book.com. So that's www.threemonthsbook.com. And there you'll be able to find and navigate on the menu bar. Uh, there's a home page, there's information about the author, uh, Dietrich Dietstro. Uh, there's some articles in there that relate to his blog, which has some very, very good information on it. And uh, also you can go to the bookstore and at the bookstore you will be able to purchase a copy of this book. Um, it's been promoted uh, or published, I suppose published and promoted, by Folk Heart Press and uh, you'll be able to find out about them also on the menu bar. There's a few videos on there to watch and uh, I think as I mentioned in the last session that it's somehow easier to suggest or uh, send an email with a link to a video so that people can watch this material in the privacy of their home. Um, it is a difficult subject and many people are not ready or they don't want to talk about it. So if they have some resources, you know, when they're ready, they're going to pick it up and they're going to use it. And I found this myself actually over the years uh, with my first book on emotional recovery and breast cancer and uh, that was Women of Silence, The Emotional Healing of Breast Cancer. So many patients said I was given that book, I wasn't ready to even pick it up and I put it in the drawer and uh, maybe it was for some people six months, a year. One lady had it in the, her drawer for two and a half years before she actually felt it was the time um, to pick up that book and actually read it and I think this is a very natural process actually um, <clears throat> excuse me quite often we try to hurry up um, the process of uh, recovery and we try to do it all as if it were yesterday and there's no time for the process uh, of what we call integration and we just can move along and bump in from one therapy to one magic cure or bullet to another new treatment. And it's a very, very stressful pathway, but it never gives the time for the integration. And there's this uh, can be a little bit of an unhealthy push towards wanting to uh, find the cure, wanting to be positive, wanting to survive. And there's so much energy going into these processes, there is no time for integration. So I believe that what um, this quite simplistic but very helpful book is really bringing across to us today is also to listen, to listen to the patient, to take your cues from the patient, um, to not try to convince the patient to do things that they may not want to do. And I think as the sounding board um, here in the interview um, with Deep uh, that you've just heard, uh, the sounding board is that he was taking his cues from Margaret and they knew each other well enough to not put these artificial uh, pressures on I very much like uh, a little tribute here to the book uh, by Dr. Alex Metzger and uh, he is an oncologist and 
I think he's written something quite significant here. I'd like to share that with you. He says, Dietrich Stroh's beautiful, heart-wrenching and, yes, often humorous account of his wife's cancer is a must-read for everyone, everyone diagnosed with cancer, and also for the caregiver who's often left navigating uncharted medical and emotional waters. The tips and resource information that lace through his book are invaluable. Dietrich Stowe has taken the reader of this book on his own personal path and describes what allowed him to emerge on the other side, changed but able to find happiness once again. As an oncologist, I found it illuminating and would highly recommend it to my patients and their families. So when uh, we hear oncologists are speaking like this, and I actually had the pleasure with uh, yesterday's uh, chat uh, by phone with um, Deep Stroh, that he said that the oncologist had never really, um, I suppose, realised the impact of this uh, cancer diagnosis and such a rapid one too the the emotional the psychological impact until he actually had a look at Dietz's book and so I think that's a very fine uh, testimonial that he has made and uh, we also have a, a medical testimonial here from Dr Kim Allison MD she's author of Red Sunshine she's director of the breast pathology at the University of Washington Medical Center and she says three months a caregiving journey from heartbreak to healing is both a love story and a guidebook. Anyone going through an experience with a so-called terminal illness would benefit from reading it. So if you go online um, to uh, threemonthsthisbook.com, you'll also find on the website there's some sample pages. And this is a very good idea of getting... Uh, you know, how is this book uh, going to impact me? What style is it written in? Uh, what what can I learn from this? So I think if you have a look from those sample pages on the flip book, uh, you'll, uh, you'll get the idea very strongly. Uh, I think um, Dietrich Stroh's writing of this particular topic really does come from the heart and it is very sensitively written in a way that's not confrontational, I must say. So I do hope that uh, you tackle this difficult subject um, if you are a regular listener to Navigating the Cancer Maze. It's something that really, as we said before, does need to be addressed and I hope that you will um, buy the book. I hope that you will uh, pass the book on. I think uh, passing books on via Kindle um, it's a very inexpensive buy on Kindle for the amount of uh, wisdom and uh, information that you'll be able to use there. And also, as I said before, it's a great gift for any family that may be going through this. And yes, they may put it in the drawer for a little while, but I'll guarantee you there's going to be a time when they pick up that book and it's really helpful for them. So we've come to the end of another week on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I will be back with you next week and I do wish you a wonderful week and uh, an inspirational week as well. So I'll look forward to talking with you next time. Bye for now. 
Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.